The way to God through love, the yoga of knowledge, is said to be the shortest path to divine realization. It is also the steepest, requiring as it does a rare combination of rationality and spirituality. It is for a select few. By and large, life is powered less by reason than by emotion. And of the many emotions that crowd the human heart, the strongest is love. Moreover, people tend to become like that which they love, with its name written on their brows. The aim of Bhakti Yoga is to direct toward God the love that lies at the base of every heart. As the waters of the Ganges flow incessantly toward the ocean, says God in the Bhagavad Purana, so do the minds of the Bhakti move constantly toward me, the Supreme Person residing in every heart. Immediately they hear about my qualities. In contrast to the way of knowledge, Bhakti Yoga has countless followers, being indeed the most popular of the four. All the basic principles of Bhakti Yoga are richly exemplified in Christianity. Indeed, from the Hindu point of view, Christianity is one great brilliantly lit Bhakti highway toward God. Being persuaded of God's otherness, the Bhakti's goal, too, will differ from the Jinanis. The Bhakti will strive not to identify with God, but to adore God with every element of his or her being. Those who meditate on me and worship me without any attachment to anything else, says Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, those I soon lift from the ocean of death. We come finally to the worship of God in the form of one's chosen ideal. The Hindus have represented God in innumerable forms. This, they say, is appropriate. Each is but a symbol that points to something beyond, and as none exhausts God's actual nature, the entire array is needed to complete the picture of God's aspects and manifestations. But though the representations point equally to God, it is advisable for each devotee to form a lifelong attachment to one of them. The ideal form for most people will be one of God's incarnations, for God can be loved most readily in human form because our hearts are already attuned to loving people. Many Hindus acknowledge Christ as a God-man while believing that there have been others, such as Rama, Krishna and the Buddha. Whenever the stability of the world is seriously threatened, God descends to redress the imbalance. The Bhagavad Gita says, When goodness grows weak, when evil increases, I make myself a body. In every age I come back to deliver the holy, to destroy the sin of the sinner, to establish the righteous. The third path toward God, intended for persons of active bent, is Karma Yoga. The path to God through work. Work is the staple of human life. The point is not simply that all but a few people must work to survive. Ultimately, the drive to work is psychological rather than economic. Forced to be idle, most people become irritable. Forced to retire, they decline. By choosing the path of work, the Karma Yogi has already shown an inclination toward activity. But there remains the question of whether the supporting disposition is predominantly effective or reflective. The answer to that question determines whether the yogi approaches work intellectually or in the spirit of love. In the language of the four yogas, karma yoga can be practiced in either mode. 
Chinana knowledge or Bhakti devoted service. As we have seen, the point of life is to transcend the smallness of the finite self. Work can be a vehicle for self-transcendence in either approach, for according to Hindu doctrine, every action performed upon the external world reacts on the doer. Everything I do for my private well-being adds another layer to my ego, and in thickening it insulates me more from God. Conversely, every act done without thought for myself diminishes my self-centeredness until finally no barrier remains to separate me from the divine. He who performs actions without attachment, resigning them to God, is untainted by their effects as the lotus leaf by water. Such a one is as active as before, but works for a different reason, out of dedication. Acts are not longer undertaken for the personal rewards. Not only are they now performed as service to God, they are regarded as prompted by God's will and enacted by God's energy as channeled through the devotee. Whatsoever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer in sacrifice, Whatever you give, whatever austerity you practice, O son of Conte, do this as an offering to me. Thus shall you be free from the bondages of actions that bear good and evil results, says the Bhagavad Gita. They have no desire for the fruits of their actions, echoes the Bhagavad Purana. Once all claims on work have been renounced, including whether it will succeed in its intent, the karma yogi's actions no longer swell the ego. As the yogi's identification shifts from her finite to her infinite self, she will become increasingly indifferent to the consequences that flow from her finite actions. More and more she will recognize, she will recognize the truth of the Gita's dictum, to work you have the right, but not to the fruits thereof. Duty for duty's sake becomes her watchword. The Bhagavad Gita says, He who does the task, dictated by duty, caring nothing for the fruit of the action, he is a yogi. Hence the story of the yogi who, as he sat meditating on the banks of the Ganges, saw a scorpion fall into the water. He scooped it out only to have it bite him. Presently the scorpion fell into the river again. Once more the yogi rescued it, only again to be bitten. The sequence repeated itself twice more, whereupon a bystander asked the yogi, Why do you keep rescuing that scorpion when its only gratitude is to bite you? The yogi replied, It is the nature of the scorpions to bite. It is the nature of the yogis to help others when they can. The yogi accepts loss, pain and shame with equanimity, knowing that these two are teachers. To the degree that yogis repose in the eternal, they experience calm in the midst of intense activity. Like the center of a rapidly spinning wheel, they seem still, emotionally still, even when they are intensely busy. It is like the stillness of absolute motion.